Welcome to the Become Who You Are podcast, a production of the John Paul II Renewal Center. I'm Jack Rigert, your host, and welcome to an Advent Reflection. I call this one Crossing the Bridge, which is opening the smaller story of your life to the transformational power of connection that changes everything. I am excited because I just got back from a parish mission. I was in a, a small, you know, kind of a small to medium town in Iowa, Clear Lake, Iowa, and what just beautiful people. St. Patrick's Parish, if anybody's listening from St. Patrick's Parish, and, um, and I know that some of you have been listening to this podcast already, uh, welcome. Welcome to the podcast. It was great to be with you. You know, it's, a, it's amazing as I travel around. I'm so fortunate to meet these incredibly faithful people. Uh, adoration started at 6 o'clock. We had an adoration for uh, 45 minutes, and then I would... I would um, uh, share some reflections from Sister Faustina on Holy Communion, and then we'd play some sacred music, and then I'd get into uh, into the talk, and uh, and then benediction at the end. I mean, what faithful people these are, and you know, your heart is just lifted up from them, and the beauty of their love for uh, for God. And now today, I was just at I, I got home uh, after. Uh, uh, four days, and I and I came home, and I was in a meeting tonight with about 100, 125 people, again, uh, just looking at the culture, trying to good, do th- good things in the world, and just faithful people, and you see these pockets all over. I'm running into just so many beautiful groups sprouting up. They know that there's a spiritual warfare. No more lukewarm, right? I mean, you're going to pick a side right now, and that's what we're seeing. The weeds and the wheat grow together. Uh, there are some people that are still lukewarm to this, but they won't be for long. There's just so much evil on the loose. But and, and then I think, you know, the chastisement's coming for this country. It's just going to fall. But then I see these faithful people coming up, and, and God sees them. And and, uh, and then I think, you know what? He, he's just maybe he's just going to you know keep a wall around and protect all these people. Who knows, right? I mean, uh, terrible things have happened uh, throughout the the the, um, the history of mankind. What we do to each other, et cetera, et cetera. But anyways, hey, I I get excited because I just see so much faith, so much beauty, and we have to protect our children. And we, we you know, when we see all these ideologies going on, and really that our children, marriage, and the family is what's under a tremendous attack. But anyways, hey, with all of that said, I was going to talk about some specific events and different things, but I think I'm just going to jump right into this reflection. Something that's on my heart, some some conversations that I've had with people in the past, and really at the end of the day. All, everything's going to come down to whether you say yes to that to the marriage proposal of Jesus Christ on the cross. You know, you, you think about a child that comes into the world at, at Advent time. We're going to have the nativity. Uh, our blessed mother, who's who says yes and and stands in for all of mankind, saying yes to this. You have Jesus that takes on a body, which is our humanity, and unites it with His divinity, and then pours it out on the cross to us, so that we can be filled with divine life and love. And and he offers us this bridge, and that bridge does what? It bridges this abyss, this we can only get so far in this life without grace, and we move and we move and we move, and we have this spirit, and, and it starts to dwell in our heart, and we feel these desires welling up in us, and it starts to push us into this orbit of God's love. Well, Jesus on the cross has the same desire, the same arrows, the same movement of his heart to us, 
and we meet there at the foot of the cross, and and really we meet there in the in the in the Eucharist at the Mass. It's so beautiful and so powerful. So I'm going to share a reflection on that. Hey, God bless you. Happy Happy Advent. Remember to keep me in your prayers. Don't forget to to rate the podcast, write a little uh, review if you get a couple of minutes. Don't forget to financially support us. And now buckle up for today's episode. Crossing the bridge, opening opening up the smaller story of your life to the transformational power of connection changes everything. You know, we came into a story, didn't we? We didn't create the universe. We didn't write the story that we came into. And one day you were born, you exploded onto the stage of, of a world and a universe and God's plan that was already going. And what we should be doing is seeking the truth. What is the truth of life? How should I live? Who am I? And these are the kind of questions we start to ask, you know. A beautiful thing, the Catechism of the Catholic Church, that big book about everything Catholic, begins in part one, section one, chapter one, with what? With desire. Beginning the Catholic handbook with desire would not have surprised the great saints and the mystics who passionately journeyed into the heart of God, knowing that this is a love story. It's always been a love story. The desire for God is written in the human heart because man, man and woman, of course, is created by God in love and for love. And God never ceases to draw man to himself. Only in God will he find the truth and the happiness he never stops searching for. You know, granted, it may be difficult when looking up at the crucifix or even looking out at the evil of the world. Uh, or, or even thinking about the, the, the evil in our own hearts sometimes. But to look up at the crucifix and believe that that bleeding and tormented body of Jesus Christ hanging there portrays a love story. But that's exactly the reality. This is my body given for you. Not only given, but given for you. And not only given for you, but given to, to the last drop until death, death on a cross. Jesus said in John 15, no greater love than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Think about that. No greater love, Jesus said, that a man lay down his life for his friends. He calls his friends. I mean, this is an incredible story. You know, if, if nothing else, I tell people, walk into the story for a while. Do what Jesus asks us to do. Go deep, deep, deep into your own heart and meet God there. And, don't, and see if that doesn't change your life. Then... With his mother Mary, St. John, and a few others, including Mary Magdalene, looking up at him. Now think Mary Magdalene. She was a prostitute. She comes into the story, right? I mean, it's amazing what happens here. And so they're looking up at him beneath the cross, beneath the suffering, beneath the bleeding. They saw the scourging and the crowning with thorns, the carrying of the cross. And now he's getting ready to die, and they're looking up at him. And Knowing that it was now finished, Jesus says this, I thirst, I thirst. He thirsts for you. He thirsts for me. He has this mad eros, this desire for us. This is the same desire that's in our heart. That's why the catechism can start out with desire, because it knows that God placed that there. You know, this this story is not about learning more information. It has information. Of course it does. But it's about the DNA that runs through our blood. I thirst for you. I gave up my life for you. And then 
he says this right at the end. He goes, it is finished. It is consummated. That's marital language. It is finished. It's consummated. And he bows down his head and gives up his spirit. A little later, a Roman centurion following orders would come up. And you got to imagine our, our blessed mother looking up at her son as he just gave up his, his, his breath. And then the centurion comes, follows up with the lance and thrusts it through his heart. And out from his side would come what? Water and blood. This is the way Bishop Fulton Sheen describes this event. He said, now we always thought, and rightly so, of Christ, the Son on the cross, and the mother beneath him. But that's not the complete picture. That's not the deep understanding. Who is our Lord on the cross? That's the new Adam. Where's the new Eve? At the foot of the cross. If Eve became the mother of all the living in the natural order, is not this woman now at the foot of the cross to become another mother? This is our spiritual mother, huh? And this happens right here. And the spiritual mother is now the queen of heaven, right? As St. Augustine puts it, and, and Bishop Sheen says, here I am quoting him verbatim, as it were the blood and water that came from the side of Christ was the spiritual seminal fluid coming out of his heart and, dro- and going down into the church. And so from these nuptials, he doesn't call, his, his, he doesn't call Blessed Mother a mother now. What does he call her? He calls her woman. Because now she's Eve, this is the second Eve. She represents, she's a symbol of, of the church now. He turns to her and he, he says, woman, there's your son, looking at John the evangelist. He says, son, there's your mother. This is the new family, huh? And, and these are the, this is the nuptials now, the wedding feast, consummated right there on the cross. This is the beginning of the church. God wants to marry us. This is what the whole thing is about. So this is a relationship that God wants with us, a very intimate relationship. And all of these issues you see, you know, the world is spinning out of control. Why is it spinning out of control? Because we're spiritual persons. We're, we're, you know, we're spiritual bodies. The spirit is the form of the body. When the spirit, our souls now, are, these are eternal souls, and we're giving them up to nothing. You know, we're going to, we're going to, if, if you turn away from God, you, you're, you're getting what you deserve for eternal life. This is a scary thing. I mean, it's one thing to, to say, look, and I'm, I, you commit suicide, you think you killed the body, but the soul goes on forever. This is why it's so sad when you hear about suicide. So at, at, at the end of the day, uh, when we open up that smaller story of our life to the trans- transformational power of connection, it changes everything. A friend of mine, was describing his recent uh, attempt to get off medication he was taking for anxiety because of the unwanted side effects. But once off the meds, he became so anxious that he was driving everyone near him crazy. And his family voted to have him go back on some kind of lower dose or find a substitute. And so he was telling me about this. He says, I don't know what to do, Jack. I was on this medication for so long, it can't be good for me. And I said, I have a substitute for you, I replied. Go to confession and receive the Eucharist. Mark it's not his real name, looked up at me and said, you're serious, aren't you? Do you really think that would help? Yeah, it's going to help, I said, knowing that this cradle Catholic had stopped going to church about 30 years ago. Here's what happens. Your your heart gets anxious. It, it's trying to tell you something. And then you're taking meds, so you so what? So you're, you're, you're numbing yourself. Your anxiety is telling you, you know, God is trying to tell you something. You have this cognitive dissonance going on. Of course, you know, you're anxious. God is calling you into a relationship. Tick-tock, tick-tock, tick-tock. Life is going on. And you're sitting on the fence for your whole life. 
you got to get off the fence, you know, either be hot or cold or I'll spew you out, right? So, so yeah, then you go off the meds, but you're still not aiming your, your desires, your eros, you know, for, for your infinite happiness, your, your infinite desires are for heaven. Aim them at heaven. Aim them right at Christ on the cross, whose infinite desires, his eros, his eros is for you. Only his eros are totally agape. And what does that mean? Agape is this total uh, divine sacrificial love. I pour myself out for you. I'm, Jesus is not interested in getting anything back from us. He's interested in helping us. And our response is just love. You know, most of us are living like cut flowers, disconnected from the source of life. You know, we come into life in a certain time, you know, we have, you know, these, oh my gosh, you know, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do this. And those are all good things, but you just have to do that in connection to God himself. So whatever we do, we become persons of love. But anyways, we become like cut flowers. We're disconnected from the source of love. And we spend all our time anxiously worrying about how we're going to live and desperately trying to fill the infinite desires of our hearts with finite things. As John Eldridge, the author, wrote, human beings are ravenous. A famished craving for life haunts every person. We crave fullness. It's in our design. We were created for unceasing happiness and joy in life. But ever since we lost Eden, we have never known a day of total fullness. We are never filled in any lasting way. Human beings are like cut flowers again. We appear to be well, but we're cut off from the vine, and we're ravenous. Until we return to God and actually abide in him, until we experience God as our daily source of life, we are desperate creatures, lustful creatures, trying to fill our infinite desires with finite things in the finite world. So we lust and lust, and we try to grasp and try to fill, and it never works. We look to a marriage or the hope of a marriage, a child, our work, some food or drink or an adventure, the next night out, the new car, anything to touch that ache inside of us. We're ravenous beings. That's why Jesus warned about consuming lust. St. Augustine described it like this. Our hearts are restless, Lord, until they rest in you. Psalm 42, one of my favorites, like the deer that yearns for running streams, so my soul longs for you, O God. Psychiatrist and author Dr. Gerald May begins his book, Addiction and Grace, this way. After 20 years of listening to the yearnings of people's hearts, I'm convinced that all human beings have an inborn desire for God. Whether we are consciously religious or not, this desire is our deepest longing and our most precious treasure. Listen to this again. Whether we are consciously religious or not, this desire, this desire, this desire is our deepest longing and our most precious treasure. And Mark, what you're trying to do is you're trying to deaden your desire for God. Carl Jung, the famous father of psychoanalysis, said, among all my patients in the second half of life, that is to say over 35, there has not been one patient of mine whose problem in the last resort was not that of finding a religious outlook on life. It's safe to say, he said, that every one of my patients fell ill because he had lost that which the living religions of every age have given to their followers. And not one of my patients, not one, has been really healed who did not regain his religious outlook. You know, finally, Dr. Carl Menninger, the dominant figure in, in American psychiatry for six decades, reformed the mental health uh, institutions in the United States, said that if he could convince the patients in psychiatric hospitals that their sins were forgiven, 75% of them could walk out the next day. Amazing. 
It seems that we should have all caught on to this cosmic story by now. Good versus evil, light versus darkness, love versus lust. And seek the better way that's been revealed to us. Just look at a crucifix. Look at a cross. Spend some time this Advent looking up at a cross in a quiet chapel and opening your heart to him. Oh, my gosh, so beautiful. Yet somehow we miss the larger story. We get caught up in a much smaller story of our own making, and the result is always the same, a broken, anxious heart. But in the midst of our brokenness, and we're all broken in one way or another, along comes some very good news. The path to healing, which leads to love and happiness, can be found. And again, what do I call that? Crossing the bridge, opening the smaller story of your life to the transformational power of connection. See, we go from cut flower now to opening up our story, our life, our hearts to the transformational power of connection. The branch goes back into the vine. The flowers go back into the roots. This changes everything. The bottom line is that we're created for eternal life in God, but original sin separated us from the tree of life. We're anxious. We're nervous. We get to the, we stand at the bank of a, of a deep, fast-moving river, looking down into abyss, and we cannot cross, and your heart gets anxious, and you get depressed, and you try to numb it instead of opening yourself to the cross, to who's the bridge, knowing that eternal life is on the other side of this abyss, and we see the tree of life, but our broken humanity cannot reach it. We need a bridge over the, the abyss. How are we going to get across? In St. Catherine of Siena's dialogue with the Father, she would go into ecstasy, and and she would go into this deep ecstasy, St. Catherine of Siena. She's just this incredibly beautiful, powerful woman. And she would go into these ecstasies, and her secretary would just write these things down. She didn't even know know what she was saying or anything. And so one of these dialogues, she describes this, and, and, uh, and, and God himself God the Father now is describing his son as this living bridge that will get us from the abyss, the, the edge of the, the, the fast-moving river, looking down into an abyss, and we want to get to the other side of eternal life. And he said this to her, Wherefore I have told you that I have made a bridge of my word, of my only begotten son, and this is the truth. I wish that you, my children, should know that the road was broken by sin and disobedience of Adam in such a way that no one could arrive at eternal life. This trust is that I have created man to my own image and my own likeness in order that he might have eternal life and might partake of me and taste my supreme and eternal sweetness and goodness. But after sin had closed heaven and bolted the doors of mercy, the soul of man produced thorns and prickly brambles, and my creature found in himself rebellion against himself. And the flesh immediately began to war against the spirit. And losing the state of innocence, he became a foul animal. And all created things rebelled against man, whereas they would have been obedient to him had he remained in the state in which I had placed him. He, not remaining therein, transgressed my, transgressed my obedience and merited eternal death in body and soul. And as soon as he had sinned, a tempestuous flood arose, which ever buffets him with its waves, bringing him weariness and trouble from himself, the devil, and the world. Everyone is, was drowned in the flood because no one with his, with his own justice alone could arrive at eternal life. It was therefore necessary to join human nature with the height of my nature, the eternal deity, 
so that it might be sufficient to satisfy for the whole human race, so that human nature should sustain the punishment and that the divine nature united with the human should make acceptable the sacrifice of my only son, offered to me to take death from you and to give you life. So the height of my divinity, humble to the earth, joined with your humanity, made the bridge and reformed the road. Why was this done? In order that man might come to his true happiness with the angels and observe that it is not enough in order that you should have life that my son have made for you this bridge unless you walk thereon, end quote. What he's saying there at the end, it's not enough that my son redeemed you. See, redemption is collective. Jesus did, you know, he, he suffered his passion, death, resurrection. He died on the cross there. He pours himself out for everybody, every human being, and through us all of creation. But that act being collective for all of us, ah, but salvation is independent. You have to say yes. I have to say yes. Yes, I did it for everybody, but you have to say yes. In other words, humanity has been redeemed, but you have to accept it. This is what means by this is what meant by salvation. Jesus didn't come for sin management. He came with real power to heal, but you have to say yes. In Romans 8, uh, 11, St. Paul writes, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit, the Holy Spirit, which dwells in you. This is the now, the present. For eternal life is lived in the moment, in the eternal present. This very moment that you're listening to this podcast, and as I'm speaking, is eternity. We begin to live a resurrected life now. Be who God meant you to be, and you will light the world on fire, said Catherine of Siena. So how do you start this? I tell you what, the secret to life, I think, is, is, is begins right away in the morning. Before you look at that stupid phone, that, 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 that glittering thing that's going to make your eyes squint already and put your head in all kinds of places, before you look at that phone, just fall down on your knees and say, yeah, I say yes, God. Jesus, I say yes. Your wedding invitation, I kneel with our Blessed Mother, and, and her yes, her fiat becomes my yes, my fiat. I say yes to that sacrifice. I accept salvation. In other words, I choose you, Jesus. Before you look at your phone, just say, I choose you, Jesus. Please fill my heart. And then you know what you do? You get up, and you go out and love the first person you see. Be kind to your wife, your spouse, your whoever it is. Bring this fullness of divine life and love that has filled you, redeemed you, and brought you back into, in, into, into this union and communion with God himself. He gives you the grace to do that and go out and love others, right? Then make sure that you're praying the rosary, reading scripture every day. Look at this is an evil world that we're in right now. Look at I started out this whole introduction saying about these beautiful people. They get, they're beautiful people and they're faithful people, but they're, they work at it every day, right? Prayer, the rosary, read scripture every day. Go to your knee before your phone. Look at these. These are not big time consuming things, right? Go to confession once a month at least. Receive the Eucharist at least once a week. This is God's prescription for healing your anxious heart. You know, this is for you. Call me then in the morning and let me know how it's going. Hey, God bless you. Great to be with you. Talk to you soon, everybody. Have a great Advent. Bye bye. 